0: You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to have that confidence. You've got to know your stuff and you've got to be prepared. So it's a great place to start.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am super excited to have on the show today Gali Ventura-Rosen, a fabulous woman who, like me, teaches sales. So we are going to be digging in deep to the power of sales in this conversation. And she also has a huge breadth of experience in the commercial real estate world and coaches women herself and has an amazing body of work that she is going to be sharing and talking to us about today. So welcome to the show, Galit.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Mira.
1: So one of the things that sparked my interest in having you on the show is that you lead with sales in much of what you do. It's not the the complete work of Galit, but it is what you lead with. And I am someone who is constantly talking to her clients about the power of really getting beyond the limitations that you have around sales and really learning to love it, own it, understand it, master it because money moves through sales. It is yes. the mechanism that moves money. And if you want to build your business and I help women build their business, you have to get good with sales and, and from a personal story perspective, it changed my life. Like it is, people talk about, I, I wonder if you agree Galit, but people talk about how like building your business is the biggest personal growth journey. I think that learning how to do sales for yourself is the biggest personal growth journey. Cause I had to, to go through so much transformation in order to become someone who, who actually looked at sales as service and started to love it and all of that. So let's start with that question. How did sales transform your life?
0: It's quite interesting. Starting at such a young age, when I started my first business at what, 21, 22, and all my friends were looking for jobs and I was like, I don't want to work for somebody. I've got to figure out how to do this on my own. It was, it, was, it seemed at the time to be real easy to get my real estate license And sales is everything to do with real estate. I mean, it's just everything, especially in commercial real estate. So I think the way that it transformed my life is really understanding that if you're doing the work right, if you're building those relationships, if you're going through the proper steps, sales really is way easier than people make it to be. Because so many people hear the word sales and then they immediately go to fear. Oh, my gosh, I can't sell myself. I love what I I do but asking someone to pay me for it. Oh no. How can I do that? So for me, it was that growth throughout the years, doing it for 25 years. Now you kind of have to recognize I've got to grow with it. So for me, the transformation was truly the growth of recognizing it's not that conversation about sales. It's about everything that builds up to the sale where the sale almost becomes a part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. So do you remember way back when, 25 years (laughs) at the get-go, when you, were you someone who was afraid to ask for the sale or did you never have that problem?
0: So I will share that I think when I look back, one of the first things I sold was a half a million dollar office building. And I think that when I, and it was before I even bought my first house, if I was really honest with you, I bought my first house around 24 years old. And I remember looking back at that time. I was this young girl, and here I am trying to sell an office building to a businessman. And I had to recognize that, okay, all that stuff that was going on inside me, right? Amir, it's all that, oh my gosh, do I know what I'm talking about? Are they gonna wanna buy it? What am I doing? It builds up, it builds up, but it's not really stuff that others on the outside can see. So I think I did have a lot of that. I mean, it's going to be pretty common when you first got started in sales, but I think what I was always really good at is whatever was going on in the inside, I did a good job not showing it on the outside. So I think that was probably what benefited me. So on the outside I looked like I was confident, I looked like I was ready to sell that building and made a sale of course at the time. So that's probably where for me it worked in my favor.
1: Yeah. So so underneath the surface you still had the same fears, but you didn't let that stop you and you didn't you didn't let them see you sweat if if you will. And now what about the that aspect that I think you were getting at which is that part of being good at sales is being prepared, like knowing your stuff. And is there a particular strategy that you teach people in terms of preparation and understanding in order to be confident
0: in that conversation? Absolutely. So my sales success method, and we each have our own, is the first thing that I share with my clients is, okay, we've got to make sure that you have the successful salesperson's mindset. And I'm sure you you probably teach a lot of this too, Amira, where if you don't have that mindset to know, okay, I've got the knowledge and let's break it down. I've got the knowledge and if I don't, I did my homework. I always made sure I was prepared. I always made sure I did my homework. I always made sure I showed up with the most information I could. Now, that doesn't mean I always knew everything, but I never acted like I didn't know it. You know what, let me go back and double check some of that information has changed. Or let me give you the most updated information. But I never said I don't know. That to me was something I never had in my vocabulary till today. So I always start with the successful mindset of the salesperson. You've got to believe in yourself, you've got to have that confidence, you've got to know your stuff, and you've got to be prepared. So it's a great place to start. I love that.
1: And one of the things that I'm seeing in that that uh perspective that mindset and and how you executed on it like the actual things that you did is that you actually did prepare and one of the things that really counteracts a lack of confidence is preparation like putting the the time into really understanding what you're selling like what what the variables are who the person you're talking to is what the like if you're just Uh, if you were selling a property, so you had to research all the comps and the property and all the the various aspects, but also the person, the people who were interested. Uh, Often people are selling a service rather than a, a thing like a property, and you have to research your competition. You have to research what the objections are. You have to research why someone might buy, why someone might not buy, right? You have to be confident in how you're speaking about your your own product or service. So one of the things that I I help people with is is going through and role playing, well if yes. they say this, what about this? You know, and, and instead of being a deer in the headlights and just walking into a conversation without using one of your greatest mental faculties, which is your imagination, like you can imagine all the questions that they might have or you can work with someone who can help you imagine all the questions that they might have. But you, you do have this power in your imagination to sort of see what could come up and then prepare. And I think that builds so much confidence in the sales conversation. So were you doing that at a, naturally at a young age or were you, did, was that something that you had to learn yourself?
0: I absolutely had to learn it because I didn't have a teacher. I went to school, got my bachelor's in business management they don't do a lot of sales training in college. They don't work a lot with you teaching you how to be an entrepreneur. So a lot of it was through trial and error. I think what happened to me when I started, because I still have my commercial real estate business, but now I work with women privately, when I started to transition all of a sudden to selling myself, right, Amira? Totally different. That's Here's where the transformation paper. comes yes. in. Yes. Just so you Here's know, the piece. people. <laughs> oh my gosh, so true. When I had to sell myself, even though I was really selling myself too, because why work with me than somebody else, that in itself took its own trial and error, almost like I started over. It was so interesting for me because this was about five years ago. And I loved when I had my discovery calls. I remember one summer, Amir, I had 60 discovery calls in a matter of three months, That was the best life lesson I could have ever had, having those conversations, talking to those people, learning about them, understanding what they wanted, what conversations worked, what didn't work. But knowing preparation still works the same when it comes to people, just like you said. Today with Google, check out their social medias, check out their websites, check out everything you can about them. So you can have as much information as you can. I mean, of course we even go a step further, We ask them through email before we even jump on a call. What are some of the goals you want to accomplish? What is it that you're looking for? That's also preparation. So it doesn't have to be all guessing. It could also be asking.
1: Yeah. And it's not just preparation, but it's a very uh, good strategy to uh, help someone affirm that they're walking toward you. And, and you're asking them questions. Like, if you want to talk to me, you have to answer these questions because I want to be prepared for the, the, the call. That's 100% yeah. true. And when they answer those questions, as a matter of course, just in the act of asking those questions, they have, in some ways, it's not that they bought your product or service yet, but they've stepped that much closer towards you saying, yes, I'm interested. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. And that's an important aspect of building rapport and, and building connection even before a a sales conversation on, on that note, is there more that you do? Like I have an educate to sell model. Okay. Like there's a lot that I do in advance of someone being on a conversation with, with me or my team, before they even have that conversation, they have learned a certain amount about me. And I want it that way. Like, I want to make sure that I'm attracting the right clients for, for, mm-hmm. for me and my team and my business and my community. Like, it's super important to me that the right women are attracted to the unstoppable woman, right? And that the, the right women are not. They're not wrong women. They're right women who are not, right? And, and that the person who's coming into a consult with us And, and talking about scaling with us knows in advance the type of work that we're going to be doing together and wants that. And is, is like a, yes, it needs to be a confirmation conversation rather than a twist your arm conversation. So do you have, yeah, you
0: agree. Yeah. I love that, especially. So what I learned in my process was when you first get started, you're just excited to get on the call with anybody. And you do, because what a great learning process, right? Like I said, that summer was 60 people. I would never do that again. And three quarters of them were not even qualified or interested in some shape or form, but it was a great learning experience. So I'm thankful. But then what I do now is you've got almost a form to fill out that I receive with a lot of different questions. And it's really important to have them also, but as well as they'll get an email from me. excuse me, I'd like to share with you a little bit more about what I do and my company. And here's some things that you can check out about me. So that way, like you said, I'm not spending time on the phone, even five minutes telling them about me. They already know. We're already done. The call is really just focused on listening. Like My second step to the sales success method is effective communication. And you've got to be a good listener. Something that really happens, and I always use this as a fun example, Amira is the 80s car salesman, right? Mm-hmm. We're not that. We are in a different stage of mind. We're working with people that we really want to be able to help. How many times have we said no to someone or said, you're not a fit for me? Not because they're not awesome, because they're just not ready or it's just not a fit. It's okay to do that. But in that process, I'm doing more listening than speaking. That 30-minute call, it's like, It's all I'm doing is taking these mental notes. So I've done my homework. I've read about them. I learned about them. Now it's about asking the right questions to listen. And sometimes people think selling is about talking them into something. And I love the listening aspect. I went back to school when I was 38 and I got my master's degree in therapy. And I really thought I was supposed to be a therapist. Like I believe that was the second part of my life. Then, as life happened, I was like, no, I'm supposed to take what I learned. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that is what do therapists do? They do so much listening.
1: It's true. One of the things that I have, you know, we have a a sales process that we teach. I call it, you know, the seven questions for seven figure sales. I've also called it, Bad branding here. I understand that this is like a cray cray on my part, but like the Namaste of Sales, like we've we branded it on as two different things at two different times in my business. But the Namaste of Sales is a whole concept there, like the, the God in me is helping the God in you. And we do this through helping people see how we can serve to help them solve their problems and serve more in their lives. But it's it's all the same process. And in that in that process that I teach at our our sales intensives is this idea like I have on the the framework, shut up and listen. Like I, I use the word shut up to get people's attention because so often you as the expert in your business, you're 10 steps ahead of the person you're talking to. You've heard this challenge before because you are the expert. So you wanna jump in, solve the problem, prove that you know what you're doing, um, answer all their questions, even before they've asked the questions. And what you do is you an- end up in your, well, sometimes it's nervousness, but oftentimes it's a desire to, to um, show that you are an expert or help the person that you alienate them because they haven't been listened to. And, and being heard in our society is such a rare experience for people. And they may, they might not become your client just because you've listened, but you raise your ability to connect and people, people need to feel that connection, connection. They, they buy because of the emotion and they back it up because of the, 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 logic and you need both. You know, I'm not going to sell just on emotion because I need people to be bought in to the steps that we're going to take you through in order to help you have your breakthrough, right? Like I need them all in on the logic side too, but I, I know that we make any decision in life, not just a a buying decision. We make any decision in life based on how we feel. So is there something on that note, Gali, is there some way in addition to listening that you really connect with the, the people that you're, engaged with in a sales conversation do you have any um unique strategies that
0: you want to share and and so sometimes i will take notes and they really appreciate that because they see how much i'm listening so i will share i just want you to know i may take notes during and i don't type them because that could get really annoying i actually will bullet point two three five pieces of information because i won't interrupt them when they're talking i'm really listening so then when they're sharing what they want and I'm also very important to be in control of the conversation and let me explain what that means people like to go on tangent people some people are real storytellers and the next thing you know you've got nowhere and they've got nowhere you're talking about their dogs and the weather yeah yeah who just had a heart
1: attack exactly
0: so you just bring them back and sometimes to do that I'll say look you want to work with me as your coach so I'm going to show you what I do I will always bring you back to focus so let's go back to this thing you said and they appreciate that because they're already on the call with me. They've already been in a sense, they learned about me, I learned about them, and they're ready, they're qualified to talk to me, right? Yeah. Because they're ready to talk to me. So I'll write down a few things and I will actually reiterate back to them. Well, what I'm hearing from you is what it sounds like you want. And I'll use statements like that where they'll say, and please, I'll say, please correct me if I'm wrong. So there people love that because you're saying to them, I'm doing my best to listen to you. And I'm doing my best to understand what you're saying, but I'm still human. And if I'm not getting it right, please tell me. So when you give them permission, they feel much better. Cause if not a lot of people will just let you go with whatever it is you think is true and And be resentful of it. Yeah, exactly. Or you've just lost them. They're just somewhere else. And you can tell you they're just gone. They're just waiting to get off the call. Yeah. So So, do you have a,
1: do you have a strong stance of whether you need to use the exact words that the, the client has prospective client has used to describe the issue that they're facing? Or are you fine with paraphrasing?
0: I think they're both. I think you just have to read them. I don't have one way or the other. I do believe a lot of times I try to use keywords that I've written down. And again, it won't be sentences. It'll just be a few keywords. But for example, uh, what I'm hearing is you're really struggling to accomplish your goals because you don't have your, your services on enough eyes or whatever it might be. Yeah. So I just make sure to rephrase it as close as possible, and there are times where I'm wrong, Amira. Where I'll, they'll be like, "No, no, no, Glee, that's not what I'm looking for." And then I'll say, "Okay, could you please restate that for me? Because I want to make sure I really understand what is holding you back from getting to that seven-figure business that you want so much." And then they appreciate you because you're just quiet a lot. You're mm-hmm. just quiet, and people sometimes get on the call that are trying to sell themselves and they get nervous and all they do is talk. The people on the other, on let's use this as an example, like a Zoom type of thing. They are not sure exactly what they need always. They do need that guidance. They do need you to, in a sense, guide them to where you want to go. But when they are heard and you then reply with, what I'm hearing is this, and then I ask permission, Would you like to learn more about how I help my clients do X, Y, and Z? I ask permission. Again, would you like to learn what it's like to work with me or what it entails? And so the permission is because it never fails. The second you get to money, everybody shuts down. So the goal is to talk about the money for the smallest period of time. And talk about them and understand them for the largest. That's what's been successful for me. That at that point, they're just, they're basically saying to me, I'm ready. I'm ready. What do I need to do to work with you? And I'm Mm -hmm. going, okay. (laughs) And as long as I feel like they are ready, and I won't tell them they're not, but as long as I feel like they are ready, then we'll go to that conversation.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I, I call it controlling the frame. Like if, if you, if you, yes you need to learn how to control the frame of the conversation without making the other person feel like you're manipulating them. And it shouldn't be a manipulation. It should just be, we're staying on on target. Here's the structure of the call. Um, And that you are understanding the process that is happening rather than it it happening to you. So you you don't wanna be reactive. You wanna be 10 steps ahead And you want to have practiced this so many times which is one of the beautiful things about your your summer of 60 discovery calls right i have a a slightly tangential story about that myself nothing to do with sales but um there was a point i don't know 20 30 years ago how old am i i'm 51 so it was in my late 20s early 30s where i was like I'm going to date a hundred men in a hundred days and figure out I love who, that. who I like, because I'm just saying, yeah, like, I'm just like reactive. And I'm dating all these guys that are, you know, not, not up to snuff, if you know what I mean. And that was my own self-worth issue. But so I just said, yes. And I went on a hundred dates and I had to I figure out how to, how to be in conversation with people. And like, my rules were like, I was never going to just say I had to wash my hair and lie that I wasn't going out on a second date, but I was going to be a genuine human being and figure out how to communicate well in these situations, but that I needed to have a lot of experience to understand what I liked and what I didn't like and to get out of scarcity thinking, which is why I kept saying yes to these guys that were not really worth saying yes to, but I had a little pattern around that. And I think it's the same. Like if you want to break free, do the thing, master it by doing quantity around it and, and taking the, 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 that scarcity thinking out of the picture. Like if you have one sales call booked this week, you're going to have everything riding on that one sales call, right? But if you have 10 or 20 or even five, you're going to be like, okay, this is just a conversation. I don't have that feeling that everything's riding on this one conversation. So that's the parallel. And, and I think it's really important when you start doing this on the regular, that you look for the patterns and then you can adjust what you're doing and quote unquote, control the frame.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that tended to help me throughout the process, because again, I went from selling properties to selling me, which is so different is the more that I, this is not going to sound right, but I'm going to say it this way. Anyways, the more that I stopped caring about making the sale, the better the conversations went. Isn't that fabulous. And, and here's the thing, my, my nuance
1: on that is you have to stop caring about making the sale, but you have to, one, still care about the person that's kind of, taken for granted but and obvious, but you have to still care about the structure of the conversation. Because yes. what doesn't work is I'm gonna um, not be so attached. I call it being passionately detached, okay? You wanna be passionate about the person, you want passionate about the process, wanna be passionate about your business, but detached from this particular outcome. Your, your greater goal, be a little attached to that. But this particular outcome, Don't have to be super attached to, yes. but you have to be attached to the process because otherwise, and ask me how I know I learned this through experience. You don't, you don't do the right things in the sales conversation and it just doesn't go well. And, and you have to own up to, to that. You need to, you need to do the right things in the sales conversation to, um, make, a sale and there's a lot of latitude there, but there's some basic things that have to happen. And you learn over time that, that those things are super, super critical. So are there, yes. are there anything, anything that you learned specifically around selling yourself, your own product or service that you could identify as very different than when you were selling even though you were selling yourself to sell the commercial property, there was this other thing that didn't feel like someone was gonna be saying yes or no to you specifically. Can you, can you talk about like one little thing that was really different about the sales process?
0: I will tell you that one of the things I learned is it's about you valuing yourself first versus that they're not going to know that your value is that if you don't believe it. And that's very common for people because you are now selling the value of your expertise. And we are taught in society, typically, that why would somebody pay for that? And I'll never forget, Amira, when I first got started with the business coaching world, and I told one of my girlfriends that I was like, oh, I'm going to charge $500 an hour. This was a while ago. And she said, who would pay you for that? And it was so funny because the person that's supposed to support you couldn't even see the value. So one of the things that I learned in the sales process is the more that I recognized my value, the more I recognized my worth and what I could teach you, the more it came through in confidence in the call. And those women on the other side were like, oh, I've got to go But if I was, oh, well, this and that, and I wasn't confident, that Never happened to me. I remember one of my first coaching clients. um, I had a sales coach at the time. I just got started. It was five years ago. And she was in shock. She's like, You were struggling to ask for this much, and you just got a check for $15,000 for six months to work with someone. Like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I got on the call, felt confident, and I sold myself. And the woman sent me a check the next day. She was old school. She's like, Oh, can I send you a business check? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny when you show up with the confidence and you know your value, then that
1: person on the other line knows too. It's huge. There's so much in what you just said that, that I want to pull out for the audience. One self-worth is so much like they they've been listening to me. I talk about your self-image, your identity, owning yourself, self-worth. And this is such a great example of that. Okay. And, and it has a direct result in your bottom line. Okay, It's not just frou-frou, mumbo-jumbo psychology or universal law, which is all of what I teach, right? It has a direct result in your bottom line. It, It cause and effect here, okay? And then the second piece is that don't ask your best friend what you're worth, okay? She's not your ideal client, okay? And my story on this is that my mother, would, would say, I don't think you should be charging that yet until you've done, you know, 20 years in business or something like that. She's not my ideal client. I love her. She's super smart. She backs me up and she's super proud of me, right? Like, but if I had been listening to, to these people, in your case, your best friend, in my case, my mom, who I do love just for the record, um, I would not have you know, quantum leaped my business in one year going from 138 to 700 K and then crossing the seven figure mark. Like that would not have happened. Okay. It just wouldn't have. And so it's really important you guys, when you're thinking about your pricing, because that was what that was, that was a pricing conversation to, to make sure that you're actually getting advice from people who have done what you want to do before, not your best friend, who is looking at the the price of you know groceries not starting their own business right and anyways so just want to yeah it's so
0: true and one that. of the exercises that I've done with my clients is I'll have them walk around the house and just talk out loud and say I charge this I charge this I like, just walk around the house look in the mirror say it out loud record it on a video and sometimes people will get on the call with me and I'll say okay well what what are you charging now? And they'll tell me. And I won't say you're charging too little because they weren't ready yet to hear that. So I'd say, okay, have you researched the market? Do you know what others are charging? Which I already know they're way too low. And then I'll say, well, have you thought of charging more Oh, Glee, And I said, look, if you don't believe you're worth as much as the market is, you shouldn't be out there selling yourself at that value because no one's going to believe it. No one. So if you, this is where you need to start to be confident with yourself. Great, let's let's start there, and now let's build up the confidence. But I always share this too: if people are saying yes, like no tomorrow, Amira, Mm -hmm. there's you gotta also recognize you're probably not charging enough. I'm. I had a situation during the virtual speaking because I get paid to speak, where I was charging a certain amount to speak from home for corporate companies virtually, and the HR managers just said, "Oh yes," like wait. I don't think I'm charging enough. <laughs> and it wasn't that I wanted them to say no, but they weren't even thinking about it. And so I was like, okay, I need to hire my prices. And guess what? When I hired them, they paid that too. So sometimes you need to kind of yourself be listening to what's happening around you as well.
1: 100%, 100%. Pricing is such an interesting, nuanced game, but generally speaking, uh, people undercharge, and and they yes. need to, to, to raise their, their worth. And, and you do that by upping your game, I think. You, you have to actually believe that you're worth that next level. And sometimes that requires that you up uh, the standards on, on how you're delivering your, your product or your service. So um, really awesome. awesome. Okay, I wanna shift gears a little bit and ask you about your launch. Cause when, right before we, we went live, uh, you were telling me that you have, uh, a TV channel that's about to launch called Everyday Woman. Do I have that right? Yes. yes. And that's yes. happening on October 1st. So tell us a little bit about that. I am fascinating. How does one launch a TV channel, right? Like so, this, yes. this is so fun. In
0: March, 2020, when everything shut down, mine and one of me and one of my girlfriends that are both business owners, we own a few businesses, had some free time. So we found that women Uh, were scrambling to go online. And that's how Everyday Woman was was born. We have 14,000 members now. Women were really in need of how do I become more visible and how do I make money online through their businesses, through their own businesses. We don't sell businesses or something like that. We did this for free for over six months, Samira, just videos and videos and just to help people because it was a hard time. Well, from that, we found how do you become more visible? Well, of course, speaking podcasts, author, and uh, TV, all of those things. So that's how Everyday Woman TV was born. The way that you launch a TV channel today is you actually connect with a company that's already working with All of the large streaming companies already that are on our smart TVs and you say okay what do I need to do and they take you through the process. But it really was not about the TV channel as much as women want to have their own shows so they can visibly express to people who they are what to do what they do and give value. So we have 10 inaugural hosts that have already signed up we're just launching. We already have 12 to 14 shows that are going to be on. And basically we have everything from wellness to spirituality, to business, uh, to financial interest, to cooking, to yoga. And it's just the way that you launch it is you come up with an idea. You, as always, connect with the people that already know how to do it. Amira said that before. One of the reasons a lot of women don't do things is because they don't know how. There's millions of people that know how to do what you don't know. And we decided let's do this. And it's it's so fun to have an idea, but it's way more fun when people are like, I wanna be a part of that. And let me pay you to be a part of it, right? Way more fun. So that's kind of how it started. So we'll be launching October 1st on 19 streaming channels, including some of the major ones like Amazon Fire and Roku and LG TV and Apple and all of those different things. Um, and, That's pretty much how it's going to happen. So we're very, very excited to give women the opportunity to have their own show. That's really what it's about.
1: Women can
0: focus on the content and not focus on the tech, the marketing, and all of the things that a lot of women will say, oh, I'm good. I'm not going to do that because that's too much.
1: Yeah, no, this is a fabulous idea. I love this And, and that you're making it happen and you have such a breadth of different topics. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Khalid, for being on the show today and for sharing your wisdom. We have a lot of commonality in terms of how we, we think about sales and teach sales and our trajectory around that. And I love hearing it from your perspective and that you shared so, so very much. And before we wrap up, I, and I ask you my final, final questions, um, where can people find you aside from looking up every day? Uh, woman on, on all the streaming channels, where can people find you if they want to check out more about you?
0: Absolutely. So my full name, Galit Ventura Rosen, that's my website, as well as I'm on all social medias, but Twitter under the same name. And also if they want, they can go to the sales success method.com. It's a really easy thing to remember.
1: That's fantastic. I love that. I love that. And so tell me, this is what I always wrap up, um, our, our episodes with what makes you an unstoppable woman.
0: Mm. I am the kind of person that doesn't just think of ideas, my ideas and my dreams become a reality every single day. And I do not allow anything to stop. I
1: love it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for the generosity of spirit that you have and for bringing all the, the, the wisdom and the stories to this podcast. I'm sure my listeners are going to love it. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for all of you. Oh, you're welcome. And for all of you listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for being loyal listeners. Please um, check out our, our past episodes and share this with your friends and colleagues. And if you're so inspired, please give us a review on iTunes. That always helps us get in front of more people and really get our message out to more women who are building their businesses and want to have their income breakthrough and really their life breakthrough as well. So go out there and be unstoppable. Rock it out. Take care. Hey there. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that episode. If you're ready to take it to the next level and want to make your income breakthrough, then I am personally inviting you to join us at the Unstoppable Woman Income Breakthrough Summit. It is happening November 5th, 6th, and 7th. And I would love to have you there, especially if you're someone who is high achiever, but hitting a block. I wanna show you how to master your marketing, master your mindset, and master scaling your business and growing it to the next level. This is a three-day immersive event I will be the only one teaching you and you'll get me for three full days. This is the place that people make their breakthrough and I would hate for you to miss it and I would love for you to be there. So please check it out at joinamiralive.com and I'll see you there.